0: My name is Avery. Uh, that's all you're going to figure out right now. And due to uh, scheduling issues, i.e. Donald being a grown-ass man, I will be taking over the podcast, I guess. So, strap in, because it's going to be an awkward time. I'm sitting here with my co-host,
1: Sean M.F. Ross. Today we're here to talk about where we're the two best members of PressX Star Podcast.
0: Yeah, Sure. Well, this is going to be mainly a pseudo review and uh, impressions for God of War Ragnarok. So stay tuned for all that in our what we've been playing. But first off, Press X to Start is a weekly show where we talk about the latest gaming news, reviews, and the biggest games, and give you our thoughts on the games we're playing. Our goal is to expand the video game media landscape through an underserved point of view, On YouTube, get our gaming news breakouts on Tuesday, what we've been playing on Thursday, and the whole thing of the podcast on Fridays. If you're watching on YouTube, you can support us by liking the video, subscribing to the channel, and hitting the notification bell. If you're listening, we would appreciate you leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast service you are tuned in on. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can join our Discord at pressx2start.com slash Discord exclamation mark. So yeah, that's pretty much the nitty gritty of the preamble that DJ has littered out for me. So we're gonna jump straight into gaming news. Our first story, it's from BGC. This is uh, from Andy Robinson. Remedy confirms Control 2 is in development for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and PC. So Remedy, the developers behind the Max Payne franchise and the underplayed uh, Quantum Break and uh, the cult hit, Alan Wake, have announced a while ago that they're working, they're a small Danish studio. And they're working on like five games. And one of them was a control multiplayer spinoff. One of them is an Alan Wake game. Another one was the uh, single player for that Crossfire game that's on Xbox. I don't know if that ever came out because unfortunately, none of us who are on it the show, on
2: regular,
0: unfortunately, none of us are on the <laughs> podcast on a regular basis have any real insight into the nitty gritty of the Xbox ecosystem. And that was always a weird decision to begin with that I've heard no fanfare for. That could be because we're not in the know but long story short we all assumed that they were making control 2 but now they just come out and confirmed they're making a sequel to control called control 2.
1: did you platinum the first one? yes. there's so much to do in that game.
0: control is control is one of those double a games that hits like a triple a game and i love it yeah i just love it like i'm a i'm a i'm a fan of remedy i've played all their modern games except for the max main ones and I think they are such an undeserved developer. Who, frankly, with the amount of shit they're working on, I want yeah. some to just buy them.
1: Ah, but who would buy them at this point? Who, who would be we be comfortable with buying them at this point? Well, that's I don't
0: issue. I'm not comfortable with anyone buying them. But they're a team that deserves like the, the funding. To, yeah, the funding to just make triple A games without having to compromise and spread the resources out too long or build up so that if my thing is they're making five games, a Control Two is one of them, mm-hmm. but like. I don't know how big that studio is to be able to put like 100% into all of those games and get them to like the level of quality that I think they should be.
1: It says they got about 290 employees.
0: That's pretty sizable, but like that's without knowing the breakdown of what all those employees do, I can't have any good knowledge of anything.
1: I have never played any of the Max Payne games.
0: The only Max Payne game I played is Max Payne 3, which was not made by Remedy.
1: Mm, Okay. And I really. I'm interested in Alan Wake, but I don't feel like uh, spending money on it.
0: I'm I'm biased because Alan Wake is one of those horror... Like, I don't like horror games, but I mm-hmm. fucking fuck with Alan Wake as one of those games that, like, it was just so dynamically interesting as a, like, uh, single-player action-adventure mm-hmm. game that, like, the fact that it was a horror game just didn't bother me.
1: Yeah, I see that it was only on 360 and Windows, the originals, and uh, I didn't have a gaming PC, and I wasn't interested in playing it, I guess, back then.
0: Shout out to my old video game crew. They know who they are. Audie, Jeff, Colin. The, uh, the ghost when it comes to just getting a group of guys together in a room and watching one of them play video games.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Rage quitting because you're tired of them backseat driving you doing L.A. Noir. <laughs> and when I say backseat driving, I mean actually driving the car in that game. That, that game ruined the group.
1: I mean, the driving was terrible.
0: Exactly that was my that was my thing like we were playing it it was fun then i was driving and i was driving poorly because one i'm not the best driver and b it's just like the like, driving in that game is just not good and they just like they were, they were just getting on me i said like, fuck it you guys drive the game and then we stopped playing the game and then we stopped hanging out after that <laughs> we're all still friends
1: uh that's unfortunate anywho
0: yeah so our next story is there was a hogwarts legacy gameplay showcase uh, this is from Chris Gullion from VGC. A Hogwarts Legacy gameplay showcase will take place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The showcase happened, and I'm gonna keep it a buck. I'm already in a weird place with this game, as in, it's a game I want to play, but it's a game that I'm not comfortable with promoting and supporting in any way, shape, or form because of its creator J.K. Rowling. So I didn't watch this showcase. That being said, both Marcus and and DJ were in our individual chat Slack, like hyped as shit about the game's character creator.
1: It looked pretty good. Um. People need to make more of a fuss about having good character creators, at least in social media, to see that. Let the studios know that this is something that we want, if you're going to have a...
0: I'm also of the mindset, and I've I've fought this fight many times in this podcast and lost, that character creators are the most uninteresting thing in video games to me, and I would just prefer a game to just make...
1: Give you a fully fleshed out character.
0: Give me a fully fleshed out character who is designed and doesn't look like random elements put together on like a Mr. Potato Head and also be a stronger case for representation going forward instead of me as a black person having to make my creative character a black character. I am more interested in the, oh, this character is black and there is narrative Mm -hmm. framework around this race and why the choices were made.
1: How many character creators can you think of that actually like Voice the person that you made
0: all of the Bioware Mass Effect games uh Dragon Age Inquisition is one of them as well
1: uh because typically you just make the person and that's it that's just you know
0: because the idea is we want you to inhabit it but like I think it's it's 2021 well no it's 2022 right now it's gonna be 2023 in like a couple of months we've evolved beyond Mm -hmm. uh like reading on the screen
1: this is very very early I don't know if you played Tony Hawk series at all.
0: I played every Tony Hawk at, up until, I want to say, uh, Thug 1. And then that, okay, I- that's
1: exactly where I was going with it, though, because you oh, can yeah. put your you- face in the game and it was voiced. Granted, didn't sound that great or, you know, it didn't quite mesh well, but it was very ambitious for the time. That
0: was a PS2. Yeah, Sean, you watched, you watched the showcase. Was there anything else notable to take away out of it beyond it was a showcase? Mm, I think we
1: know all we're going to know. At least until the game actually comes out so you're either interested or you're not and um I- i'll see what's coming up around the time of this game coming out to see if i even want to touch it oh. character creators aren't that big a deal to me it's nice to see but i never make anybody interesting looking on there so it is what it is no.
0: i try to make a thirst trap and then uh <laughs> after i like, getting annoyed by the game i just like whatever I think it depends. It depends on if the game has romance options. If the game has romance options, I will play as a male character because I want to romance female characters. Because for the most part, outside of Mass Effect 2, I've never really cared about the romance options for women. Uh, Mm. But if there are no romance options and I'm just playing as a character, I'm not role-playing as me. I'm creating a thirst trap and I'm trying to make the coolest thirst trap I can figure out. Okay. Okay.
1: (laughs) Next story, please.
0: Okay. (laughs) I don't know why I got weird, what what I can't talk about thirst traps? Y'all be saying the most off-the-wall insane shit, but I bring up thirst traps and suddenly we gotta move on.
1: Sir, sir, I have never said anything off the wall on this podcast. Please.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> to go <laughs> in the annals, of, annals of, the, of the edited segments of this podcast. Okay, our next story is from Tom Ivan. This is also from VGC. Twitter's page verification leads to fake accounts for game companies involving Nintendo and Valve. So this Ooh, is an actu- yeah, this is actually a bigger story in the in the uh, the realm of just social media in general. Uh, yeah. uh, shout out to Elon Musk, the goat, for buying Twitter and just ruining it day one. The man spent
1: <laughs>
0: nearly half a of money actually spending for for Activist Blizzard and has probably cratered the value of that company immediately. Ha- immediately. So the big thing that he was talking about was Twitter Blue, which was everyone who is a micro uh, celebrity fights for a blue check mark. Because the minute you get a blue check mark, that's when people start noticing you. And, like, mm-hmm. if I tweet at Shay XQC, I'm just a random face in the void to him. So, like, that's not going to matter. But if I tweet to him with a blue check mark, he leaves with, it for the most part, quote unquote, due to due diligence, say, oh, who is this person? So, everyone wants this blue check mark. And Twitter's previous, I believe, policies was, we're going to verify who you are and look up a bunch of data so that we are aware that if, let's say, Nolan underscore North is the actual Nolan North or just a guy with a Nolan North face uh, p- uh,
1: profile picture Profile yeah.
0: picture and calling himself Nolan North
1: they had a dedicated team to doing that and he fired them immediately
0: so his big innovation is that he's going to allow people to pay for a check mark people immediately notice that like especially people in gaming industry dude that's going to fuck up everything because it's just going to allow people to troll and he's like nah it's not And immediately that's what people did. People spent the $8 for the blue check mark and immediately started creating accounts that are parodying and impersonating public figures, companies, uh, charities, people.
1: I saw somebody make an account with a bank name and throw up a fake website to just capture info like, I don't know what this man was thinking.
0: One of the big things that happened, and this is, we'll get to the gaming stuff because yeah. this is actually a more interesting topic. But, like, one of the big things that happened, like, the, the company that owns the patent for insulin, someone created a fake account based on their company and say, hey, man, we're giving away insulin for free now. And their stock cratered. And the best part about it is that afterwards, people sort of realized the scam that Big Pharma is when it comes to, like, uh, most yeah. medical discoveries and like now they're dealing with the whole i don't think we can go back to selling it for a hundred dollars now because the market is aware that we're fucking them
1: <laughs> good job elon
0: yeah fucking fantastic job holy shit i cannot believe there was a period of time where people thought you were a cool too <laughs> like there used to be a period of time when he was like hey man i released a fucking flamethrower i made tesla and they were like oh man elon Musk is really cool but then you're like Nah, he's just a rich billionaire who, just a guy. who's an idiot. But long story short, so people have created fake profile images of both Nintendo and Valve, and the Nintendo guy put up an image of Mario putting up the middle finger, and now like, woohoo! <laughs> which is probably the number one search th- thing for Nintendo at the time on Twitter. Uh, I believe the Valve one it was like uh the Valve one was like announcing this like new service called like Neon Prime or some bullshit.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like,
0: okay, this is not a thing. Uh, uh, someone created a Twitch parody account and said, hey, man, we're changing the, the revenue splits, and Twitch ambassadors get 80-20, partners 70-30, affiliates 60-40, and non-affiliates 50-50. So, like, Twitter's dead. Like, there was a, a couple of days when I thought, okay, this won't be that bad.
1: A couple people said that he can't fuck it up any worse than it is.
0: Because it's not like Twitter was the best service before he bought them. But after this, it's very clear that it's, it's fucking...
1: It was teetering on the fence to begin with. Yeah,
0: it's a house of cards, and he just teetered it off. So for the most part, Twitter as a social media platform is going to fall apart. As an advertiser-friendly platform, it's probably going to crater because that's another thing that in the entire Elon thing is that advertisers started pulling back because they weren't sure what the effects were for this uh, Twitter thing, and then Elon proved to be an unstable person who now has allowed people to create fake ads for brands and companies that are ruining their uh financial bottoms so twitter is now probably losing even more money on top of the money they were already losing in this deal to begin with because of elon uh
1: i think maybe like youtube and instagram and snapchat will survive but facebook and twitter are dying
0: facebook should be fine because of its sheer size as much as, as,
1: as uh-uh. he's killing it, apparently he's he's lost a good 700 million or 900 million or
0: lost a lot because of VR and the media yeah. and all things like that. But Facebook as an actual uh, website yeah. and brand that is actually doing fine. It's the amount of people on it. It's like the amount of people that would have to leave it to make a dent in its financials is really small. It's one of those things why Mark Zuckerberg is sort of untouchable when it comes to uh facebook is that like the amount of money they make in just sheer ad revenue because the amount of traffic and visual people on it is just insane yeah well like twitter is like they start losing people and immediately elon start crying on twitter and blaming fake activists (laughs) for for ruining his website
1: hilarious yeah anyway moving on from rich people problems
0: cool 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 So this is the part where DJ does subscriber plug. So this is me doing my best interpretation of the subscriber plug. I'm just going to read what he said verbatim because I don't don't feel like doing anything cool for this. Uh, Before we talk about insert the item here, if you are watching us and have been enjoying this video so far, please like the video, hit the subscribe button, and especially hit the notification bell so you may stay up to date on our future videos. Your support keeps us going, and hitting the bell will keep you updated on our latest videos. Thank you.
1: That sounds like a a hostage reading the note. (laughs) Yes.
0: Okay, so in other news of companies just royally fucking up, we're still on BGC. This is Chris Gullion. FIFA's first post-EA games will be blockchain titles. So I want to print this at everyone keeps calling EA the worst company in the world. And I've always consistently said, Y'all are some indoor kids who don't understand the realities of the world. Because they haven't been the worst in quite some time. They haven't been the worst ever. Like that's my point. Is that mm-hmm. like in the video game sphere, Activision Blizzard was probably worse than them. But Call of Duty so popular that no one talked about it, and yeah. EA was just tripping over rakes in a yard publicly, which is why everyone was like they're the worst. But yeah, yeah. But I'm preempting this to talk about the fact that months ago, FIFA and EA's deal ended. is going forward with their FCG football club game, which is just going to be FIFA without the FIFA name, because that's all that. And FIFA to fill the market for a FIFA game has decided to partner with a bunch of crypto blockchain games, which is ironic because this is in around the same time that the biggest crypto company exchange company in the world FTX has fallen apart because everyone realized it was a Ponzi scheme.
1: My man funneled his money out to uh, another country and dipped the fuck out. This is why you don't leave all your crypto on a centralized platform. Keep it offline, cold storage, y'all. If you're gonna get into it, <laughs> uh,
0: okay, but, yeah, I would say that until you get to those situations where oh, I've lost my crypto because I've kept it in a, in a non-like insured place. If that makes sense, yeah. So, like, I think. I think all crypto is garbage, but from all the research I've done, Coinbase seems to be the best version of all these crypto exchange places in regards to crypto and all that. I still think crypto and all that is bullshit, whatever. But like if you're investing in crypto and don't have the infrastructure to keep like your own back like heavily reinforced like yeah. updated server space to hold your imaginary money, I guess you could use Coinbase. Eh.
1: Coinbase is shitty, too, because if, they, if, if they're curious, like, if they're suspicious of how you got the money or how much you got this money, they, they'll hold on to your shit. But, um, like I said, cold storage. If you know, you know.
0: But, yeah, so FIFA's uh, post EA games will be blockchain titles. Uh, this is, uh, so I'm going to read an expert. According to a press release by FIFA, gaming and esports are some of the fastest growing opportunities for FIFA as it continues to expand into new digital spaces. Platforms and games are already welcoming football fans on them. Uh, it adds new gaming integrations, all of which are designed with the Web 3.0 and the future of digital entertainment in mind are playable around the tournament and each have a unique twist on the biggest football tournament. So, the first game is AI League, the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 Edition, developed by Alter State Machine, which is a four-on-four casual football game played between AI-controlled characters with player input at fun and tactical moments. Did they make a fucking QTE soccer game? Yeah. They pretty much made team <laughs> by Tactics, They pretty much make team fight tactics, but for football. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Yeah, and they're trying to do FIFA Ultimate Team in, like, that's where the crypto, the blockchain stuff coming. They want Ultimate Team to be an NFT. And so, like, if you open a card pack and get messy, that's a messy NFT that you can, quote, unquote, take to all of their FIFA products, but are useless around FIFA. Their second... Is a FIFA World Cup Qatar 22 in the Upland Metaverse, which is a collaboration with Upland ME. Uh, Upland is a blockchain metaverse where players buy and sell virtual properties. Okay, that doesn't sound like a game. Uh, and their third is the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 on Figital. I pronounced that wrong, but it's P H Y G T L. It's a collaboration with Fan Engagement Mobile Application, that same name. <laughs>
1: Ah man, this is so. I wonder if EA is going to be able to still use the football teams' names and players, but just not the FIFA name. Because I know, like,
0: I'm pretty sure if he, the, I'm pretty sure they lose the FIFA name, but they can make individual contracts with players and teams to get all of them in there outside of FIFA. So they're perfectly fine. I think the only so
1: it's more likely is just more paperwork now.
0: Yeah, it's more paperwork, but it's actually it's maybe more paperwork and less money that they have to shell out individually in the company. Because they're no longer paying this massive brand, they're still just paying the the, the clubs and stuff.
1: Yeah, because... Um, is it the NBA or the NFL player association where they have to go through them? I don't remember at the moment, but uh, this is quite different from the normal FIFA contract stuff. Yeah. But I, I don't play FIFA, that's a damn scam as well.
0: Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, final two stories are going to be relatively Sony-related, and we're going to wrap this up. Keep this light. Uh, our next story is from VEC. This is from Tom Ivan. Sony has partnered, reportedly, with NC Soft to make a Horizon MMORPG. The game is said to be in development at the South Korean company behind Lineage and Guild Wars. I love Horizon Zero Dawn. It's one of my favorite PlayStation franchises. I feel like PlayStation is milking this goat really quickly and really fast. That being said, MMO RPGs aren't my bad because I don't have the bandwidth to just live in these worlds to truly enjoy them. Yeah. But it all depends on what the gameplay of this game is. Because if it is a standard point-and-click... One, this game's going to be on PlayStation, so it probably can't be that on, on consoles. But if this is a point-and-click turn meter, it's kind of like... Wait and turn and burn kind of an MMO. I'm not interested. But if this is just Horizon in a pseudo Destiny universe, I'm kind of down. But there's also the question of what is happening to the Horizon Zero Dawn
1: main franchise.
0: Well, main franchise, we know what's going to that. But they also announced in like a while ago when we were talking about the remake, there was going to be a multiplayer Horizon game. So is the multiplayer Horizon game working in tandem with this MMO RPG? Because if that is true, that seems a really cool idea that people are excited about. Or if they're two separate products and if they are that, that's a weird kind of a thing to both market at the same time. I get it, you get different audience with them. Yeah. But it's one of those things where you're like for me as a Horizon fan, you're really pulling the bandwidth of like how much interest I can have in this franchise.
1: What would you do in an MMO for Horizon though? Like what kind of classes would you have? What what what? I, I don't think it would be turn based, but
0: well, I think MMOs at a, at this point are working, at, are, are trying to break out of the mold of just having a class base. So this would probably be more like loadout base and like skill trees based on the individual items and equipment. And Horizon Zero Dawn already has a plethora of really interesting and cool weapons and tools that you could probably work yeah. for. They've also built a really interesting, and especially with uh, Forbidden West, a really interesting, diverse, and big world with factions and individual people you can uh, interact with. And then yeah. they double down on creating some of the coolest enemies in video games with forbidden west so like the the, all the recipe to make a cool world for an mmo are there the question is the rpg
1: what are they gonna give you to do basically yeah uh i I guess we got to see it to believe it i'm not gonna pass judgment until i see something something of substance
0: yeah same as well these are the teams behind lineage and guild wars and as far as i can tell both of those games are like super popular so it's not like the team can't make a solid game it's all gonna come to the execution and how sony markets this Mm. another thing because the mmo space is like wow is no longer king but it's still pretty high and everyone is really fighting for third place after final fantasy 14 blew up so it's like
1: shit i think even 11 still has a large player base
0: yeah it's not, it's not a saturated market, but it's one where it's, like, really hard to really turn turn that key in to make this an ongoing popular revenue stream that everyone talks about. Mm. And, like, there's going to be a Riot MMO either this year, no, next year or 2024. And that's, you're competing with Riot's ability to build a massive game. And as someone who's spent a lot of time in their ecosystem over the last couple, last year and a half, it's, like do you really want to compete with Riot on an MMO if that MMO comes out the same quality as Valorant, as Hell Arcane, as any of the other pieces of content they put out? It's a risky nah, right. Which is why I think the Monster Hunter game that was already hinted at was what's a much more interesting co- mm-hmm. prospect, because like, no one's competing with Monster Hunter. Like, there, are, there are a bunch of Monster Hunter lights, yeah, but like, no one's competing with Monster Hunter.
1: We'll see how this new... uh. Thing a does. I'm surprised. World of Warcraft has a rough daily player count of about 1.1 million, and uh, Final Fantasy has about two million. But there's Very also the
0: point that World of Warcraft is like divided into two games at this point. There's oh yeah, Classic World no. of Warcraft, and then there's Classic, which is like I think Classic was the dumbest idea in the entire world because it's just hey, we're just re-releasing the old game, but we have to keep updating it with all the old content. So eventually, the old game that you all love is going to become the new game that you all hate to play.
1: Hey, man, somebody sat down at a boardroom and everybody thought it was an amazing idea and they launched it and people signed into play.
0: Yeah. Okay. And our final story is from Andy Robinson. This is also from VGC. This is a very VGC uh, week in terms of news. Uh, I'm just going to come out and say they're in a world where I don't have Nibel anymore, VGC has been the best uh, website for me to go to, to look yeah. up news and have it well-sourced and well-researched and things like that. So shout out to them and their team. Uh, everyone should go read the articles that I'm mentioning in full detail and breadth because I do a lot of paraphrasing and things when I, uh, when, when I bring the stories up as topics, and I think, think their work deserves to at least get the click, if that matters. Yeah. So yeah, Final Fantasy 16 is a PS5 exclusive for six months Sony marketing claim. The upcoming sequel could be ported to PC after its exclusivity window expires. So, Sony's relationship with Square Enix is fucking weird. Mm-hmm. In that, in my head, there pretty much every big Square game is PlayStation exclusive. Like, if Square knows that it, if it's going to be a hit just on brand alone, it's an exclusive. And so, we live in a world where Final Fantasy VII Remake has been out for going on two years now. Yeah. And, and it's not showing up on Xbox. I was super surprised by that. Uh, I think the prevailing rumor is that whatever marketing deal Sony has with Square is that they have to wait till the entire remake franchise has come out before the exclusivity wow. window ends, which is like, okay, so Xbox fans won't see that game for uh, Rebirth comes out next year at the probably winter of next year. So that's another two years after that. So 2025, 2025 2026 is maybe when you see the third part. And then you're going right. to still have to wait another year after that.
1: So the next Xbox, whatever they call it, will get Final Fantasy VII Remake, maybe.
0: Maybe, we'll get to that, because I'm, I'm still very bullish on my claim that at, uh, Square Enix as a company is going to be bought by a major party. I think the Square-Sony thing is still a thing that's going to happen. I think that Sony, from a business standpoint, is really like, we're fighting passively with this Xbox deal, so let's not buy a, a major company
1: Again, um, right um, now.
0: Like, a, do we have the, a, do we have the capital to do it? And B, let's not buy a major publisher right now. Oof. But yeah, all the games are pretty much exclusive. And uh, it was clarified because of Sony marketing that the window for 16 is only six months. And then it was further clarified after the fact that this window is only for console. So mm-hmm. the game is going to show up in six months on PC. Yeah. And then a year later for Xbox. That's if... Square is still an independent company going forward.
1: Ah, uh, this affects us n- one not one way or the other. I think we're both going to get this day one on PS5 regardless. Yes. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Uh, so this is, I believe, where we put the ad.
1: Hey there. Have you been enjoying this episode? You have? Great. Well, if you're listening to the podcast, then do us a favor and leave us a review on the podcast platform you're using. If you're watching this, then like the video, subscribe to our channel, and hit the bell so you won't miss out on any of our future videos. Check out pressxnumber 2 startcom to find information about us, the podcast, links to all of our social media channels, and to join our Discord. Thanks so much, we appreciate your support. Now back to the podcast.
0: Okay, so I'm also going to do subscriber pitch here since we're only really talking about one game in gaming news. Though so looking at this script, you did not have a subscriber pitch, but subscribe everyone. Just, if you see press X to start in any social media platform, hit the subscribe button. Our social media managers are hard at work trying to put out content that you will enjoy or at least remind you that we are a podcast on many platforms.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: What we have been playing.
1: Let's try to keep it as spoiler-free as possible.
0: Yes. But I also want to keep it a buck that this shows you how unprofessional our planning is for this podcast. I will tell you that every active member of Plus to Start is currently playing God of War Ragnarok. But the only two who are available to record a podcast on a regular time period were me and Sean. So you're not going to get the full breadth of a conversation about God of War. We apologize for that. Hopefully in the future, things will look better. Uh, hopefully in the future, uh, DJ won't go to France don't know why he would ever want to go to France, but he went to France.
1: He went to go fight for freedom.
0: Yeah, Marcus wouldn't be making money moves in LA. Okay, but yeah, let's jump into the what we've been playing, which has been God of War Ragnarok. So like I said, this is gonna be impressive slash a review for God of War Ragnarok. And before I start speaking on this, because I've spoken a lot, I'm gonna let Sean put out his thoughts about this game.
1: Man, there are so many quality of life improvements on this game. Um. Climbing. I like how they uh give you that little quick climbing with the blade. What's it called? The blades of chaos? You can just zip up, you know, up a wall with the blades of chaos. Or like uh when you kick down a chain to climb, you know, for later use to climb. I think in the first game, you kick down the chain and you immediately climb down it. No, I don't want to do that. I just want to do this for later, you know. Um this game Avery has finished it already, so I don't know, but to me, this game feels massive so far. There are so many things to do I, i'm trying to keep it as spoiler free as possible but just all the things you can upgrade and collect and expand upon and skills and then you can upgrade your skills that you have already upgraded and it'll make sense once you actually play the game but um this is potentially my game of the year i know people are going to say uh elden ring god of war we never you know those two are going to be competing for a. Uh, game of the year but they're doing two different things and you, you you go into each game for something different so i i really hate that uh award i think one year like forza won it that's that's different than you know other shit that it was competing against you know i do like some of the uh conversations that uh kratos and atreus and mimir are having on the boat uh i think there was one where kratos said something like uh Going to the past is often more trouble than it's worth, and Mimir was like, "I really hope you're talking metaphorical." And Kratos was like, "No." <laughs> Avery.
0: Okay, so yeah, I have beaten this game. It took me approximately. Uh, we were recording this on a Sunday. I beat it on the previous Saturday's afternoon. I uh, and I started playing immediately. Midnight. Tuesday, midnight the Tuesday it released.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Same. So i put a good. Four to five days into this game, and I will say that this is a very good and well-made game. And there are so many things it doesn't excel at, and excels at them to a level that's just marvelous. Like the game's scale, uh, the game's characters, the game's conversations. Like this probably has the best writing in the game I've in all aspects I've ever experienced in terms of like conversation. Like there's not a single conversation yeah. characters have that I'm just sitting there going like, this is bad writing.
1: Shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear this.
0: Yeah. Uh, That being said, I did not have fun playing this game. Mm. This game is very much a 7.58 game to me.
1: As far as the straight gameplay?
0: Subjectively. I think objectively this game is a 9. And I think its story carries it to a 10. Mm -hmm. But I think if I, Avery Willis, had to give a score right now, it would be like a 7.58. And I'll tell you what. I was the most negative about the original God of War on the original podcast when we talked about it. And my critiques were that I didn't really like the gameplay and I found the game's ending very deflating because the game's ending felt very much like a part one of a story and not the conclusion of a story. Like the game crescendoed to a point and just kind of petered off an edge. And like it's a really beautiful ending cut out, but like when I take the entire ramp up to the finale and get to the end, I'm just like I was left unsatisfied. I remember being in a room with DJ if he was playing the game and getting to the ending and he was like, huh, that is? And I'm like, yeah, that's the game's ending. And I'm like... Mm. I feel like it was a complete
1: story. They, this wife died and they went to go spread her ashes and they had an adventure along the way. But ultimately, I don't feel like it was a, a part one. I understand what you're saying, but...
0: Do you, okay, to, to that point, do you think Avengers Infinity War is not the part one to Endgame? I don't, if I, any, I, Infinity War is a complete story, it tells a complete A B C story, but yeah. it, it's very much a part one to a greater story that's split into two movies.
1: Uh, I, I, I I get what you're saying. I just I just don't think it was a unsatisfying ending, as you say.
0: I felt it was unsatisfying at the time, and I still think I I look back and I think about it, and I think these are a lot of really great things happening in this game but if like i compare it to like sort of i i just it was unsatisfying to me at the time you can go back and find those old podcasts and maybe you can get my exact words of how i felt about that at the time but yeah so those are my two critiques and mm-hmm. for god of war 2 for my playing of the game none of those really got better i think the, from a gameplay standpoint, they've added so much stuff into the game and things you can do and way to vary up the gameplay. But I still do not have fun playing this game. Like, every time. What I is get,
1: it about it you don't like?
0: Every time I get into an open area and I can feel an encounter happening, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to die here for the 15th time because I'm going to get into a fight and someone from uh, outside my field of view is going to hit me in the back of the head for 75% of my health.
1: Why are you getting hit for that much of your health, dude?
0: At the like, I beat the so I beat in the game. I did a lot of the background stuff, uh, But like, the amount of damage that certain enemies can do
1: is uh, insane. That I can agree. But how much did you upgrade your armor, dude?
0: I, everything was up. Like before we get uh, to, oh, he's playing the game wrong. I'm not. I don't think that. I'm just thinking. It, it's a, it, yeah. It's going to be a narrative based on how I'm about about to talk about this. Every time I've gone to upgrade my equipment. I've had the max upgrades I was able to get there at the time, unless I hard grinded the stuff that was outside of my level to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So it was never that I was under leveled. It was just that enemies were heating hard and there were multiple of them. And the game from a multi-enemy combat standpoint has never been great.
1: What are you playing it on? What? What difficulty are you playing it on?
0: I'm playing on the base difficulty.
1: Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. So, like, this is my same critique from God of War 1, that, like, if I got to a fight with more than two enemies, and this game loves spawning enemies behind you, and the lame also loves saying, father behind you, a second after you've been hit in the head by someone behind you. <laughs> I will say they've got a better job of just letting you know there are things behind you with the arrows. Yeah. But, like, that doesn't tell me how far away an enemy is and things like that. Because, like, I will get the red arrow of an enemy doing their, like, uh, their unblockable attack from behind me. And I'm like, I don't know where to dodge from this distance to not get hit by this attack. And so when sometimes enemies will sort of rubber band to make sure they get into the attack range to hit you. It's, it's, and that made it incredibly frustrating to get into combat situations. I also think from a pure mechanical control standpoint, uh, these Souls-like games that focus on melee uh, give you range as an option just never work. Like hey. It's so awkward to pull out the axe and throw it in the middle of combat because the game does not give you, like for every other game that does this, they recognize, oh, our combat's gonna be frenetic. We're gonna give you a little bit of slow-mo so at least you can get your bearings on this throw so you can be accurate, there's value to it. If I'm in a fight with three or four enemies and someone's attacking me from range and I'm in the middle of three or four enemies, pulling out my axe to throw it is the worst thing I could do because there's no slowdown. I have to essentially flick an enemy at quick range with this game's aim assist and hope I hit them Combat is a really frustrating experience for me, and I just did not have fun playing it.
1: I have not had that issue. Yeah, like I said,
0: this is a a very subjective thing. There are objective issues with combat, but it it just was not fun to me.
1: I hear you. Your complaint is valid. I just have not had that issue. The only monsters I've had an issue with was, I think, like a dual-wielding drugger that was just fucking me up. And that was really because... I was trying to brute force it and not actually parry and block. Once I started doing that, I whittle them down. Um, I, I'm trying not to spoil this too much.
0: Like, there's nothing you can spoil to me because i have i unlocked. No, no, no. The... I mean
1: for our listeners. <laughs> I know, but
0: like, but like, there's nothing you could mention of oh, you can lock the X, Y, and Z later on to make this better that I haven't already had and already used. Yeah. That, that like change the like my gameplay experience.
1: You're probably just playing with a certain mindset and not actually like switching it up
0: well there is a mindset there is a mindset because here's, here's what i'm going to say one of the issues i had with the original god of war mm-hmm. 2018 was the drastic change to the original god of war games and how i really liked that combat system which was a very tanky i could tank blows sort of a system i power through everything yeah it was super easy to brute force in this and this was a slow methodical system that i just didn't like i had not played any souls games up to that point i have played the souls games up to this point yeah and this is why I think the combat in this game is going to bad, is that, like, mechanically speaking, the simplicity of a Souls game and how it operates is so much more forgiving, not even forgiving, uh, concise and fun to me than playing this, if that makes sense.
2: Mm.
0: Like, there are parts in this game where I, I, I just slam my head against the wall over and over and over again, <laughs> and I had more fun doing that in Elden Ring than I did in this game.
1: I guess, I guess it's just a reverse for me. And the story is just a cherry on top. There have been a lot of, uh, I'm not going to say teary-eyed moments, but emotional, heartwarming, you know. And maybe that's because, you know, I connected with the first game so much. Um, I don't know. This, this is the only game we've been playing.
0: I'm not done. <laughs> You're like, that was just me talking about the gameplay. <laughs> <I> was like, <laughs> like, that was just me talking about how I didn't enjoy playing this game. Go off, King. My next critique is that I think this game suffers from how big it is. Mm -hmm. In that, like I said, I'm going to reiterate, the writing in this game is fantastic. Every character conversation is a joy to listen to and hear. And I I love having them. Mm -hmm. But this game, once the game starts talking about its main subject, the way they talk about that main subject over over and over and over and over and over and over again, till you get to the end of the game is just such a victim of video gaming, needing you to do something. Because like, this, is, this is spoiler stuff, and I don't want to really talk about this. Yeah. Because really, really, like, like once... Actually, I don't have to spoil this, because it, it's in the fucking title. Once yeah. they start talking about Ragnarok, that's literally all they talk about. All
1: they talk about. about, yeah.
0: All they talk about. Whether we should do Ragnarok, whether we should stop Ragnarok, whether you should be doing Ragnarok, whether I should stop doing Ragnarok. It's just like, at a certain point, <laughs> it just gets like, Come
1: annoying on, for you.
0: Just get on Ragnarok. I've, I've, been, I've been doing really poignant story missions that are really great for the characters, but it mm. all just comes back to, should we be doing Ragnarok? And I think that is another aspect where it suffers. I think the pacing of the narrative is kind of uneven, an and it gets to, I think, another point I had about the game's ending, which I think the scope of the game's ending is mm-hmm. fucking fantastic. Like, when you finally get to Ragnarok, it's like, oh yeah! Okay, this is (laughs) this group immediately disappears. Then you get like a really great boss fight, and then you get to like another cool boss fight, and then the game ends, and I I had similar emotions to how I felt about the last game and its ending. I think this ending is super poignant and super great, but like the ride to get to the ending felt so weird to me. It's like it. Uh, it's gonna be so interesting to hear everyone talk about this game when we get to "quote unquote" our review time in like a month and a half. Because like it's, it's like
1: it's gonna take a while for people to shoot through.
0: Yeah, it's, and I, like, I, I really, cause I, I really wanted this. Like, there's so much about the way this game crescendos to get to the point. Cause like I'm not even gonna talk about the fact that I feel this game squanders the idea of Ragnarok in so many ways. That I'm just like kind of frustrated about as someone who like has an understanding of Norse history. We're like. There's a very poignant moment in the very beginning of the game that makes people with animals cry. And I felt that that was going to be a bigger moment later on in the game in terms of, oh, what this moment means to the idea of Ragnarok. And we never really get to that point. I feel you. Yeah, like I said, I'm being very negative about this game because I've had a lot of time to think about what I didn't like as I was just not having fun playing this game. But I ultimately love the experience. Like, I think it's like, as someone who owns a PlayStation, unless you're me subjectively me no one else should be having any of these problems with the game's mechanics or maybe they might have problems with the game's narrative but they probably won't have the same issues i have with the game mechanics especially with this game's accessibility features which are so like accommodating i'm not even calling them accessibility features or difficulty features they're so accommodating to any play style that you really want to have like one of the things that was a reward to me after a point when I was just hating this game, hating this gameplay after dying to this one boss over and over and over again. There's like a gameplay feature in the game that lets you make a checkpoint during boss fights. So the boss fights are segmented with like individual bars. Yeah. So like if I die the 20th time to this one boss and I can only get him down to like his eighth bar, like he's got a bar of 10. I can only get him down to eight. Next time I show up in that boss fight – He's only going to have those eight bars. The game's going to reflect that going forward. I think it's a really cool feature.
1: I did like that. There
0: are a bunch of really cool uh, difficulty and accessibility features that I think really elevate this game and experience. It's menu. It's dumb. The menus are awful.
1: Yeah, that's a lot to dig through.
0: It's, it's not great. Uh, let me leave this out on the positive. I adore the characters in this game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I talked a lot of shit about Kratos as a character in our first review because I just don't like him. Like God of War 3 soured me on that character so hard. Where I'm like, I don't care that he's the main character in this game. He is awful. And I do not wish happiness upon this person. But by the end of this game, I'm like, Kratos might be one of the best video game characters of all time. And it's the one-two punch of God of War 1 and God of War Ragnarok that really cement him as like, yeah, this is an amazing character. And it's one of the reasons why when the, when the Amazon show was announced, I was like, you have to do the first three games in the franchise. Or like,
1: it's not going to make sense
0: the punch of this evolution of a character won't make sense, really. All the side characters are really fantastic. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thor is fucking fantastic. Odin's fantastic. Like, Odin's fantastic, and it's, like, a really weird, like, you're not expecting this out of an Odin character, but he's fantastic. Freya (laughs) is amazing. Mimir is fun. Uh, Some of the sort of, like, Agraboda, who is sort of a... Did they change her model, her face, slightly? It's the same. As far as I can tell, it's the same. Only I haven't paid enough attention to the original model.
1: I feel like her face was slightly, uh, for lack of a better word, chubbier, like in the first preview when they very first showed her.
0: I'd have to go back and verify. But in terms of the characters, Agrabile is a fantastic character. Like, you can't help not like that character when you meet her. Uh, There's other characters who you meet along the game who, I like, don't want to spoil. we like, at a certain point in this game, it became the adventures of Atreus. The, uh, Atreus in the dating world, where he's just being, <laughs> he's just interacting with all these interesting characters in, like, cool ways i'm just like oh that is great but yeah uh like atreus is a big question mark of a character and i really want to really have deep conversations about the journey his character goes on because he is the the driving force behind my narrative issue of the game just like talking about this one thing over and over and over again
1: i think that may be a child's point of view of that's the biggest thing in the fucking world at the moment and that's all they're going to talk about, though. Think about it from a a, a child's frame of mind.
0: I I think I would agree with that if he was still 10-year-old Atreus. This is 14-year-old Atreus and it's very much a more rebellious teen as a Mm -hmm. character trait, but that doesn't necessitate the constant conversations about this, especially when things keep happening to his character that would indicate that at a certain point maybe we should stop having these conversations and change the way we operate on things. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, Trace, uh, Trace is the most fascinating character in this game. And I'm really interested to see what is the future of this character going forward. So, Sean, do you have any more thoughts about God of War? Because I've talked a lot.
1: Uh, no, man, I'm just... This is a game that I cannot put down. I'm I'm loving every second of it. Um, There are some enemies that I have trouble with, but ultimately, I don't have those same gripes and complaints that you do, and I'm just excited to... Get through this game and platinum it eventually.
0: Yes, I'm still working on the game's platinum. I will probably, if I have the estimate, maybe a week I'll have it. So probably next podcast I'll have it. If I don't, uh, probably the week after. Because if like to clarify, to clarify old uh, not old comments like my earlier statements, but just not having fun playing the game. I did pretty much everything. Every time I got to a new area and there were a bunch of check marks on the map, I pretty much did everything that wasn't. Oh, you need to come back stronger to do this area. Mm-hmm. So like, it's like, oh, I opened a portal and like a level nine enemy came out. I didn't do those missions, but oh, I walked to this uh, new area of the map and there's like a new mini dungeon and a new mini quest line to complete yeah. a favor for someone. I did all of that. So for the most part, it's me just clearing up a bunch of like things I didn't do and fighting a couple of optional bosses, and I'll have the platinum.
1: Mm. Gotcha.
0: It's like, like I said, this is another. Slammed up platinum for PlayStation in terms of just play the game and do everything and there's nothing missable in the game that you'll be fine.
2: Yeah. Alright, y'all.
0: Yeah, that was Press X to start. Season 6, episode 44, I believe. Yeah, this is episode 44. Uh, Yeah. This has been a two-hander episode where I did a lot of talking, but I'm also in the middle of trying to make sure the podcast doesn't burn the fuck down right now. Uh <laughs> Uh, And it looks like I am more than equipped to do all this shit. So, DJ, you might be out of a job. JK, you definitely need to come back and do this because I have still not figured out a lot of this and how to do it. So, please come back and please don't come back French.
1: A fat woman has stolen my hot peppers.
0: Baby, come back. Hi, everyone. Deuces.